Okay, welcome to Scamp Life Podcast. This is Kurt. And I'm Chris. (laughs) And today we're excited to have Danny Sudman on with us to talk about um, sustainability and and the cool Mm -hmm. and interesting things that we can do there and how it applies to camp. And I'm really excited, looking forward to this conversation. In fact, Danny and I, we talked, uh, what, a week or two ago and uh, I mean, we, we talked for a while and it was good. And there was just all this good stuff that he was sharing with me. So I knew I had to have him on. Um, and I say a couple of weeks ago from the time we're actually recording yeah. this, not when it's going to air. Um, <laughs> and, and Danny's going to be doing a session for ScampCon, which is awesome. awesome. So welcome, Danny. Uh, if you can just tell the peeps what you're all about, who you are and what you do. Yeah, awesome. Well, Kurt, Chris, thanks for having me on today. Um, It's always exciting to kind of share the work of Green Camps. Um, I launched Green Camps about seven years ago. Um, I grew up in the camp industry as a camper, staff member, program director. Um, And the short story is, you know, camps bring youth into the natural world already. And that's the first step in creating a love for it and really providing an opportunity to promote sustainability. Um, so I think we're, camps are already doing that. So go ahead and pat yourself on the back camps and say, yes. we're, we've done it. Like we're, we're crossing that first <laughs> threshold. Um, however, um, you know, I saw this kind of commonality that after we leave these natural environments, we're returning back into the camp communities and we see high inefficiencies in energy and uh, water consumption and waste um, in our dining halls and our programs. And there's that disconnect. And so I wanted to find a way, how can we leverage the lessons that the natural world can teach us uh, to really bring that back into the camp community? And it just, it's felt like a really natural thing to do because again, we're already in a lot of natural settings and natural places. And on top of that, the camp community is amazing. I mean, I advocate for camping every single day in the work I do, regardless of my push for sustainability. Camps are already teaching these skills uh, to promote critical thinking, the 21st century learning skills Um, And I think there's an easy transition to be made that we can really leverage sustainability to help um, improve our economic bottom line by saving money through reducing resource consumption uh, to protect the planet. Um, And then just to kind of teach our campers and help inspire green behavior change so that when they leave our camps and they go home, camp directors, we already get the calls, right, that say, what have you done to my kid? Like, (laughs) they're they're saying please and thank you. They're (laughs) making their beds without us having to ask. What if we could get phone calls from camper parents saying, what did you do to my kid? They're... um, you know, they want to compost their food scraps. They're asking about starting a compost program. They're turning lights off when they leave the room. You know, it, it doesn't have to be big stuff, but when we look at the ripple effect of what camps can do regarding behavior change, it can be huge. And so that kind of from that 30,000 foot elevation view is what Green Camps is about. How can we support the camp community in modeling sustainability in order to inspire green behavior change in our campers and in our staff as well? And, and so you say sustainability, give us in, in a, a few sentences, what exactly sustainability is? Yeah, great, great question. Great follow up there. So when I, when I go to conferences or when I present, I love to start with the statement that we can all agree that sustainability is important. And this is when everyone nods their head up and right. down, right? But we don't always understand what it means or what it looks like. Um, my favorite way to describe sustainability is to use what's called the triple bottom line. 
So the triple bottom line, it's really uh, a way in which we can make more informed decisions uh, that have a, a positive result. So how do our decisions impact um, the environment? That's what we traditionally think of with sustainability, right? right? Is how mm -hmm. is it in, impacting the environment, carbon emissions and waste and consumption of resources. So that's definitely a big part of it. But I think we also have to incorporate the social aspects. So how do our decisions impact the people that are at our facilities? Um, for example, if we're in an office setting and we buy the cheapest LED light bulbs that are barely putting any light out, your folks in the office are not going to be comfortable. It's not going to create a really good workspace. Um, and so really thinking, how can we navigate this and find kind of a good collective point that we can put sustainable systems in that are comfortable for the people in those spaces. Mm -hmm. um, and then also with the camp community, I think tying in education. And that's really what Green Camps likes to focus mm -hmm. on is being able to create the educational value from that. Um, and then lastly would be the economic aspect of sustainability. Uh, because at the end of the day, we're businesses, right? Mm -hmm. And if we just go and we try to full force go sustainability, it can be expensive. Um, and I think a lot of folks think that um, sustainability has to be expensive. But there are some long-term values um, from sustainable initiatives that can provide economic benefits. So to recap those, the triple bottom line is when we make decisions, I think sustainability is about making decisions that benefit the people, the planet, um, and then the profit of the organizations um, that are that we're serving. Nice. So, so you mentioned a little bit of the cost. Is it pretty expensive for camps to go green? You know, it doesn't have to be, Chris. Okay. I, I I think that if you look at large scale um, sustainable solutions, I think one of the most common things that I get when I talk to camp professionals is solar. Solar is a, is, it's really, it's a really popular because it's very visual, right? Like you can yep. pull into a camp property and you can see this huge solar <laughs> array um, and you know what's happening. It's collecting the sun's energy. It's transforming it into a usable power source that camps can use. Um, a lot of solar panels, um, their return on investments are about seven years. So you're paying out up front, but there is a return on investment on those systems there. Um, I did as long as no camper throws a rock at it or something. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I'd like to think there's some insurance on those things, right? I don't know. Um, yeah. So, so you can. There are definitely the long-term investments of it, and that's what a lot of folks think of. But we really like to focus on what are the low-cost initiatives that you can start with, and I think behavior change. Um, kind of teaching green behavior change through modeling behavior, turning lights off, turning water off when you brush your teeth. That's really the start there um, in order to do that. So the, you know, yes, it can be expensive if you're doing some of these larger scale projects, but there's so much that you can do to get started um, that can reduce consumption. Um, so it, it can go either way. Uh, but I always say start small, start simple, um, don't invest in a huge solar panel, start to cut down your energy consumption first so that you don't need as large of a solar system to be able um, to, to fund those things. When, when I was RVing, um, I looked into getting the whole solar, uh, solar thing just for an RV, mind you. And it was thousands of dollars. It was so expensive and I couldn't imagine for a whole camp. So I'm just going to put one on my lifeguards heads. They just sit there in the sun. They just sit they there, right? Be, it's, <laughs> It'll give them energy. Is that what's going right. on? I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Uh, so what are, what are some, I guess, 
some starter projects uh, besides, you know, obviously just turn have the kids turn off the lights or turn off the water. But if you are going to invest just a little bit, like what's the best for your return, I guess. Yeah. I mean, my answer is always going to come back to education, Kurt. I think that if we invest a little bit more of our time and again, I'm a, I've been a camp professional. I know how valuable staff training time is, right? Like when you sit down to plan your staff training, every single minute, is accounted for in all the things that we need to train our staff in order for them to have safe, fun, productive summers to, to, you know, for what we're there for, to engage our campers there. But I think if you invest a little bit of time into bringing your camp staff into the conversation, um, that can really lead the way for modeling those green behaviors. So that reflects back to turning the lights off, that reflects back to turning water off when you're brushing your teeth or eating what you take and take what you eat when you go through the dining hall. So invest some time into opening the conversation up with camp staff. Um, I can talk a lot more about experiences that I've had in participating in staff trainings and the results of that, um, because I do think that it brings a lot of benefit and, and you might not see the cost savings of that initially, but you're building a culture that can lead to large changes in what you're doing. Um, culture yeah. is important. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So other, other kind of things um, upfront, low cost stuff, signage. I think signage is one of the most powerful education tools that camps can really leverage when it comes to sustainability. So imagine your learner and the learner could be a, a camp staff member. It could be a camper. It could be a parent that's walking through on camper parent day. Um, and you see a sign above a recycling station. So you see that learner reading that sign, gathering the information, and they are then gathering it. They're making their own decision about the action that they're going to take. Am I going to take this plastic bottle and put it in the recycling, or am I going to throw it in the, in the trash? And the impact of that, who knows, maybe it, it fades away and that's the end of that interaction, but maybe it sticks for them and it has a strong impact on the way they do that. And, you know, signage can be something that your camp staff do. Um, I know the camps that I've gone to, we've had really artistic staff make some really awesome and engage, engaging signage that um, has been really powerful. Um, so I definitely think signage is, is a really good way to go when it comes to that. Um, a couple other things I would say, composting. Um, you can build small compost units. We have, uh, we have the boneyard at camp. I'm sure every camp has a boneyard where you throw the remnants from construction projects or old fence posts or uh, leftover oh, yeah. lumber and things yeah. like that. You can- Random a... campers that were bad. <laughs> In the boneyard. <laughs> oh, so you can, you can find those things to build like a real simple compost trench. Um, you can get real low cost compost tumblers. You can do small home composting units that you don't have to start a compost system that diverts 20,000 pounds of food waste, right? Like you can just have a small demonstration that a camper or a staff member can go up and see and be like, oh, this is what composting is. So start small with those smaller systems. And if it's successful and you learn how to implement those programs and manage it, then you can slowly grow those. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of growing, gardens, of course. Gardens <laughs> are you know, the next step. You get all this great compost. And by the way, there's lots of other uses of compost and you don't have to start a garden to utilize all your compost. There's lots of other ways, but um, have you ever heard of spiral um, herb gardens? No, I have not. Well, 
it's, it's pretty, it's, it's a really simple gardening technique that you can build in a very small space. It just spirals upward and you can plant some of your basic herbs and you can do huh. it right by the kitchen. And so you can have all your fresh herbs there and talk to your dining hall staff. I imagine most chefs or most kitchen staff would love to have some fresh herbs to cook with. Wait, wait a second. You want my, my kitchen staff to cook with something other than processed foods. That sounds crazy. <laughs> uh, it is. You know, fresh we're camp, stuff. We're, no, that's a, <laughs> cr- camp people, Chris, We do crazy things. We do crazy things. Um, that's so funny. But it, but simple, simple things. And again, when you say garden, it's like, whoa, 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 gardening. I don't know. I don't know. That's a lot. But you can really simplify those. Um, yeah. I got just a couple other ones to share. Again, I could go on all day, all day about this. Change your light bulbs. Um, if you have incandescent light bulbs, get rid of them right away. Um, if you have CFL light bulbs, make a plan. We have a plan to change those as those start to go out. Um, shower heads and faucets. Um, flow rates, I, I, I have it on my list to talk a little bit more about what a flow rate is. A flow rate is a measure of how much water comes out of a water faucet or a shower head. Um, older shower heads and faucets have much higher flow rates. Um, the newer versions, they can actually mix air into the water. So you still get the same pressure, but less water is actually coming out. So again, it's a simple fix there. Because um, I need that pressure, Danny. It feels so good. I hear you, man. I mean, you don't want it just dripping on your head. Ain't gonna be, right. be in there for hours trying to get that soap washed out. I mean, Especially I got a big head of hair dirt. Too. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then lastly, I would say procurement. Um, so when you're purchasing goods or, or things for your camp store, um, in the, in, for your kitchen, when you're purchasing food supplies, um, in the office, when you're purchasing paper, um, office supplies, that's another great opportunity. Just be intentional. Look at that triple bottom line and think through how can I make decisions on the procurement of the things that I'm bringing into my facility that kind of meet that balance? Because obviously, again, cost is going to be an important one. And we typically go to the cost, right? Like that's, yeah. we're going to try to find the cheapest right. thing that we can do. But sometimes the cheapest thing you get, it's the cheapest thing you get and it's not going to last. And so the mm-hmm. long the shelf life, um, the, the life cycle of those products are end up going to end up costing you more. Um, yeah. So those are those are some examples I would say to start with, like the upfront. What can you do right away? Low up um, up upfront costs uh, to get you started on that journey. Yeah, you were telling me about. Uh, I can't remember somebody who like they they changed out all their light bulbs, and it saved them so much money. I can't remember what, what exactly the story was, but uh, it makes a big difference, no? It does, absolutely. I, you know, and it's, it's a big process. Um, that was Blue Star Camps uh, in Hendersonville, okay. North Carolina. Um, they made a pretty big investment um, in changing their lights out. They worked with a local utility. Um, so that would be another thing on the list. Talk to your local utility. You never know what kind of programs they're going to offer you. Um, oh. But the utility came out, did an energy audit, did an assessment and ran the numbers for them as well. So they not only, they did have to pay in to get some of those things replaced, but they got a really clear understanding of how long is it going to take us to pay this investment off. Um, And I believe they had outside funders or people from the organization invest to make that uh, that upfront cost. And then it's going to pay it back in the long run. So So it's about getting all that information and and knowing. Yeah. Yeah. 
getting in the field. Yeah. Well, and I think even in the camping world, I think a lot of camp directors and stuff, they realize the importance of it. And, and cost does seem to be kind of the first factor, but are, you know, are there downsides other than that? Is any, I mean, can you think of anything that like maybe would discourage some camps from going? There are absolutely no downsides, Chris. Just kidding. Of course there's downsides, <laughs> right? Like everything, everything has a balance um, when we look at it. And, and I think this is why it's important to have the conversation because if you just start driving down that path and you don't really think critically about, you know, is this the right option for our program? Then it's going to leave a bad taste in your mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so generally speaking, I mean, sustainable products, they're, they're expensive. Um, I, I just spoke with a gentleman this morning that um, procures like logos and like uh, logo materials and t-shirts and things that they put into camp stores. Um, I think the camp store is a really interesting opportunity to put sustainable products in. Um, so with our camp t-shirts, what if we use organic cotton um, and locally sourced and we're able to create education around, you know, we're intentional about sustainability. So we want to bring in these organic uh, cotton t-shirts. Um, I've seen these really cool, you know, like on the, the side of food containers, they have like the health ingredients mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I think that would be really cool. I've seen shirts that have that <laughs> on there that would put that label on there, but they're more expensive. I mean, they're significantly more expensive to invest in that. And then that cost is also going to kind of trickle down to your campers or your staff that are buying those shirts as well. Um, so the actual products and stuff, if you're, if you're investing in, you know, uh, sustainably sourced clothes, uh, sustainable food, organic produce, um, other things like that, the cost, the price tag can be a little bit more upfront at times. Um, Again, we, you do have to consider life cycle of some of those things. So sometimes spending a little bit more, you're going to get more life out of it. Um, the other part is sometimes it takes more work, more energy, more intention to be sustainable from a behavior standpoint. So with like recycling, for example, um, I, my county, they don't pick up my recyclables. So in my kitchen right now, it's pretty embarrassing, actually. The pile of recyclables that I have in my kitchen right now, it's pretty outrageous. Um, and my town, actually, we had collection points around town. They shut all those down as well. So I actually have to go. There's only one collection point in town where I have to load my car up and send all my rec- – I have to drive it over to the recycling place to have those um, disposed in the proper way. Um, Shoot, recycling though, that's a whole nother conversation, another topic to go down on what's actually happening when I drop them off at the recycling place. Um, But yeah, I mean, it it can take a little bit more work. Um, You know, if you're gardening, um, you could take like weed killer and you can spray weed killer all over and get rid of the weeds. That's not the most sustainable solution or environmentally Mm -hmm. friendly uh, solution. at camps, we would get our campers to come in and no, not the whole time. We're not using them for work labor, right? <laughs> Punishment. They got in trouble. Right? We're weeding. <laughs> and so they get down and they can they can bust those weeds out and they can yeah. pull those weeds out of there. It's more work, it's more time. Um, but I again where we come from, like for green camps, is looking at as the educational benefit. How can mm-hmm. we do that? We would do uh, garden parties every night. So campers could choose to go hang out at the Gaga pit. Uh, they could play nine square. They could hang out in the, the covered amphitheater and do arts and crafts stuff. We'd have 25, 30 campers come back to the garden and they're doing garden parties with us. They're composting, they're pulling weeds. And it's like, 
you know, this is this, it is more work, it takes more energy, but I think there's other kind of benefits that come along with those as well. Um, yeah. I, I got to ask, so what is organic cotton? Organic cotton. So organic is, is the process in which the plants are, are raised. Like, so you can't put pesticides on right. them. Um, the, the, the emissions associated with producing them. There's, there's a set of standards basically that the farmer has to meet and they have to do it for a long time. So if you're a farmer just growing regular cotton, you can't just say, okay, I want to be an organic cotton farmer now. You actually have to change your ways and like meet these standards and be inspected um, through the So there is inspections, it's regulated. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Um, so let's talk about activities that uh, camps can do with their campers to teach sustainability. What, what, what do you see as far as that goes? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I love activities, Kurt. I, I, so my, my other work, I also, I do corporate team building. Um, I work for a ropes course company. So I, I go out and, and train staff to run ropes courses. And so um, a lot of my focus in sustainability has been about building teams, uh, looking at the, we mentioned earlier, critical thinking, problem solving, 21st century learning skills, in order to bring up conversations around sustainability um, so that our, our campers can be the ones to really think through and come to their own conclusion. So I think the, the big activity that I like to talk about is team building. Um, you know, bring a group together. That's what that's a lot of sustainability comes down to is like, this is the problem that we're facing. You know, we have this huge environmental crisis that our planet is facing. It's a problem, right? We've got active people and groups of people that can come together, we can share the problem with them and have them come up with solutions. So um, there's a lot of activities that Green Camps and that myself have developed in order to make it fun to engage uh, campers and staff in activities and problem solving initiatives that bring up conversations around sustainability. Um, so I can share some of those for sure. Um, I think just general like sustainable living programs um, might be uh, might be a stretch for some organizations to be able to say like, okay we're you know a traditional summer camp how do we start a sustainable living program um, there are some simple activities that you can do where you just walk around camp and share some of the some of the highlights of your sustainable initiative so that's where it helps to start investing and in bringing in like composting initiative. So you can have a small home composter unit and use that for a sustainable living course to talk about the basics of how composting works. Um, water conservation. I mentioned flow rates earlier. One of my favorite activities, take a group of campers, get a gallon jug, walk into a restroom, uh, make sure no one's in there using it first. <laughs> That's, That's, That's first, <laughs> right? Put it up under the shower head and have somebody time how long it takes to fill that gallon jug of water up. Um, and what that's calculating is your flow rate. So the amount of time it takes to fill the jug up, number of gallons per minute is your flow rate. Um, and then calculate that. Okay, so if our flow rate is two gallons per minute, how long do you shower for? I take a, you know, we have a five minute shower policy at camp. So how many gallons are you supposed to be using? Okay, how long is your showers actually when you go home? So you can calculate those numbers and really <laughs> kind of put it in place, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm adding it up here with, I got, I don't have I enough see you counting through there, yeah. right? <laughs> so you want, you want a less number there with the flow rate. You want to be smaller. Is the Correct. Group. Correct. And again, you add the air in technology is amazing. Um, 
and you know the social aspect of that triple bottom line i don't i don't want people to suffer as a result mm -hmm. of that i don't want you to have a terrible shower experience like waking up in the morning all groggy <laughs> like getting in the shower like man that's how you get refreshed mm -hmm. you don't want to step out of your shower and be like that was a terrible experience <laughs> i guess i'm going on to the coffee solution. <laughs> okay. I, I wonder it, it'd be pretty cool if you did one of those new shower heads maybe you, you replace all your shower heads except for one right yeah and that one, you do this activity and you're like, okay, let's do the flow rate mm -hmm. and then do it with one of the new ones. And you're like, look at the difference and feel the, like you guys haven't had any problems with your showers. You've enjoyed them, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, go home and get, mm -hmm. get that new shower head. Um, I think that's a great example of uh, an cool activity idea. that really kind of brings it home, right? Because you could, you could change them all and go, yeah, we used to have these shower heads that you take. <laughs> and the kids are like, whatever. But if they can see it, um, that would, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Extra food coloring in that one. Oh, it's green too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, everybody's going to have green hair by the end of the week. I love it. That's your theme right there. That's the camp theme of the week. It's green. Right. Going green. <laughs> Perfect. So well, what is, which one's your favorite? What's your favorite activity? Oh, my favorite activity. So I, I do this activity called the equidistance activity. Um, and I have a blog write up of it that I'll share with y'all that we can make it available for folks. But um, so the, the concept is, so you're, you're in a group and I've done this with a group of 300 people. Um, I've done it with a group of eight people, 10 people. So in your group, without letting them know, you choose two other people. Okay. So Again, imagine yourself in a room of 300 people. You choose any two people. Don't let them know. Your goal is to place yourself equal distance between yourself and your two people. So you can be in a straight line and you're in the middle of them in that line, or you could be in a triangle and just have like an equilateral triangle. So you're equal distance to those two people. Okay. Give them those instructions and you say, go. Can you imagine what, ha what do you think happens next after I've said go? Chaos. Absolute <laughs> insanity. It's great. That's one of my favorite parts of facilitation is watching the craziness go down. Sometimes I get a little sad that I'm not quite involved in the craziness. So I might jump in there too. But so they're, they're just, it, it starts rotating. Um, I actually, there's a version of this that talks about astronomy with like sun, earth, moon, I think is what it's called. And that's where I kind of pulled it from to adjust it to that. But the idea is that at some point you can pause the activity and you just say, what's going on? Complete insanity. They're all running around, they're moving around. And what we're talking about is the influence of our actions on others and the influence of others on our actions. And so who is influencing your movements? It's the two people that you've chosen in the line. Right? Is that the only two people that are influencing your movements? Nope. No, it's everybody else in the room. And so it's got this crazy trickle down effect that typically when we go through as we move forward and make decisions, we're only looking at those two people there and not realizing that our actions have long, far reaching consequences. Um, and so it's really about kind of changing that mindset to say, how can we model behavior that's going to influence other people to trickle down and have those same type of uh, responses of things. And that can be as simple as picking up a piece of trash uh, without being asked to do that can have monumental um, impacts on behavior. Um, that conversation and facilitation can go in a lot of different ways, but that's really kind of the focus of what I like to talk about it with. And I always just have really positive responses from it. And it's goofy and it's fun. 
Um, and I, I love it. It's just, it's great. It's silly. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. So if, if a counselor were to sit down their group of kids their 10 kids and try to get the idea or the importance of sustainability across to them, that would, that the kids would kind of take to heart and it would really kind of impact them. What's, what, what does that conversation look like? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I, I like to go, I like to use nature as a reference. Um, Because again, if most camps, and again, not all camps, some camps are in the middle of the city, but a lot of camps are in the natural world. And I think, you know, being out in nature, we can really use, going back to what we mentioned earlier, that nature provides a lot of great lessons and the way in which it utilizes resources, um, the interconnection between organisms, the way in which it gets, gets energy and conserves energy. Um, you can find examples of that in any natural community. Um, a simple example, you find a leaf that's fallen off a tree and you say, what's going to happen to this leaf? Are we, is it when it's done and it's used up, do we put it in the landfill? No, nature doesn't have a landfill. It's going to decompose. It's going to turn into more nutrients. It's going to go back into this tree and it's going to continue this cycle. So cycles, uh, circular cycles are a great way to demonstrate what sustainability is versus linear systems which is what we see in society a lot, where you know we extract the resource, we manufacture it, we get a product, we go to the store, we buy it, we use it. And I think about, there's a statistic, 50% of the things that we purchase within six months will wind up in the landfill. Wow. And then that's the end of its path, right? So I think really looking at cycles and how we can show that, that nature, it does it. You know, it's a great example of it. And then the last part of that is, how can we model those solutions or kind of the, the lessons that nature teaches us to bring back into our community? And again, I mentioned the leaf decomposing, that's composting. Mm-hmm. And we, as, as amazing, smart, critical thinking human beings can take these lessons and make them even more efficient. I mean, composting in nature, all right, here's one for you. How long, and this is an average, how long do you think it takes nature to produce one inch of topsoil through composting. We're talking, give me like a hint, days, months, years? (laughs) (laughs) Years, I'll give you that, years. Man, I feel like it's probably a long time. 50, I'm going 50. 50, what do you got, Kurt? 20. 20, 100 years. Oh my God, as close as I went. <laughs> Price is right. Folks. That's right. <laughs> you get an wow. LED light bulb. Yeah, right. I'll get that in the mail to you right away. That's right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, these, these kind of ideas, like 100 years, and again, you know, this is kind of an average around, depends on a lot of different climates and locations, but we can take compost and build compost units to make that process so much more efficient that we can churn out compost in three weeks with really efficient compost systems we can turn that around Um, so again from kind of a general kind of viewpoint i think that that's a really good way that nature that's the best way to look at that and to to model that Um, and then you can put plastic in that compost and show the kids this does not go (laughs) away no. It's still here. We, we, we buried this thing in here, you know, three summers ago and it's yeah. still here. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's interesting. Crazy. So tell me a little bit, uh, what does your organization, what do they offer camps? And so like, I, I mean, I have my own camp, I'm, I'm here and doing things. What, what could I do or what, how can you guys help me do better at this? 
Absolutely. So, you know, we focused a lot on outreach education. Um, I founded Green Camps after presenting at a conference. I presented at the Spring Leadership Conference in 2014 in Palm Springs, California. And um, I put together kind of a list of different actions that camps could take based on no cost, medium cost, and high cost um, in different areas of camp. Um, I presented, it was, it was one of the most interesting presentations I ever gave because I just listed off all these things. And like, that's what I see. I see opportunities everywhere when it comes to that. Um, and so we do a lot of outreach education. We wanna educate the camp community to help you understand that sustainability does not have to be as overwhelming as, as you might perceive it to be. Um, so education is a big thing. So we wanna build community. We wanna build the conversation around it. Um, through outreach education, through developing resources and activities. Um, and so we want to provide those for free because we feel that when camps move forward and they start implementing compost programs or forming green teams or taking these different actions, when they're ready to take the next step and they're like, we'd like some more support, that's where as a nonprofit organization, we do have some revenue generating models through membership, um, through our certification program, uh, we offer staff training programs and consulting where we'll come out to the camps and help them go through this process as well. Um, but again, at the end of the day, it's like, it's cost prohibitive to bring someone out. Um, so we've really leveraged some technology features um, to help guide a camp through really building a framework uh, for what sustainability means and looks like for them. Uh, and that's our certification program. So through a lot of ups and downs and research and talking with camp professionals, um, we've really honed in on a, a, a five-step process that will, at the completion, will certify a camp to say we are now certified as a sustainable camp. It does not mean that we are now a model sustainable camp, right? Like, I want to be clear on that. It, it's saying that we have made a commitment and we have invested time um, and energy and some finances into pursuing sustainability. Um, and it's really, you know, I mentioned the green team is one of the big steps there. We also, through the certification process, will help you implement conservation policies and we'll help you do an audit survey to really start to understand some of your baseline, um, to understand what are some of the low hanging fruits that we can begin pursuing. Um, and then just ask good questions, right? Like asking questions can help you better understand, like this is a good opportunity for our camp to pursue or nope, that's not something that we're even remotely interested in right now because there is so much to do. We wanna help organizations kind of from that facilitation team building thing. We want your, your team to really bring sustainability to a core aspect of what your mission is. So the, the team, talk just a little bit about that, about what does a team do? How do you put together a team? I guess those two things, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, so I, I mean, that's a, it's a great question, Kurt. And I, I mean, what does a team do? I think from the traditional standpoint of a team is you collaborate, you have goals and you work together to accomplish those goals, right? Like that's the basis of it. And I think the green team is having that conversation. And so sitting down, defining sustainability for your organization, understanding what's important to the key stakeholders within your organization. Um, I just finished editing our green team guide. Um, so again, I'll share a link to that as well that you can share with your listeners and hopefully you'll start seeing it all over the place. But you know, the first step brainstorm, who would be a good fit for our green team? 
Um, obviously, you know, camp staff, camp directors, board members, um, other key stakeholders. But what about utility representatives in your, in your community? What about teachers and admin from schools in your community or other businesses, yeah, yeah. electricians, plumbers? Hopefully we've got some of those in staff as well, but those are the people that can help with some of the technical stuff with you know, putting in a low flow shower head, for example. Um, so I think cast the net really wide. Um, send an email, I actually typed up a template email. Again, I wanna take as many hurdles out of this uh, process as possible. Send an email out to invite them to join a virtual, because we're all about virtual these days, right? Mm -hmm. A virtual call um, to go through a facilitated conversation and, and help define sustainability and um, how you can use this team to uh, make sustainability more of a priority in your organization but do it in a practical way, right? We don't want to overextend ourselves and overwhelm anyone with this, but do it in a really practical, intentional way to set realistic milestones and goals. Um, and then the last part, because again, I could ramble on this for a lot, but the last part, how do you engage your campers? How can your campers be a part of this process? Um, and I think right now with all the virtual things going on, how cool would it be to ask your campers at home right now to make a green pledge? Uh, that they're going to practice something at home. And so when they come to yeah. camp next summer, because we're all, we're going to be running camps next yes, summer. I'm an optimist where we're going. Fingers um, crossed. They're going to come to camp and they can share what they've been doing at home. Like, oh, I've, I have this water bottle that I've been carrying around since I made my green pledge. And I only use plastic water bottles when I don't have my water. I mean, we got to be realistic, right? That's um, why the, the bottle's brown. <laughs> yeah, I've just been exactly. using it. <laughs> well, it's covered in stickers, so you can't yeah, see that's right, that's right, what's that's going good. on in there. Um, but it's, you know, it's, I think the team is there to really start the process of building buy-in and building that culture of sustainability. Yeah. Um, putting in solar panels, starting gardens, starting compost programs. That's great. Like we want to move in that direction, but don't worry about that stuff. Think about culture, think about buy-in mm -hmm. so that, your efforts, the time and energy that you put in right now aren't gonna be wasted because that's not sustainable. That's, that's yeah. a waste of your time if you're not gonna really be intentional about those steps there. Very nice. So you mentioned your blog. Do you have stuff out there and downloadable stuff or anything that camps could start looking at now? Yeah, definitely. So the write-up for the equidistance activity um, is on the blog. Um, on the website, I've started, you know, this whole virtual thing hit and uh, there's this, there's, uh, there's this um, activity called How Many Gallons? Um, and under our activity center on the website, I created a digital version of, this would probably have been the second of my favorite activities to lead. <laughs> um, and so the idea is in front of the group, you put out um, plates with numbers on them. The numbers represent gallons. And then I have a whole bin full of props, like a car, um, I've got a pair of jeans, I've got a t-shirt, a pound of meat, which isn't actually meat. It's not because you can't put that out there. Just go back. <laughs> and as a group, <laughs> yeah, right. no, it's right here. As, yeah. a group, as a group, they're going to determine which items needed how many gallons of water to produce them. And so they put those items there. So I made kind of a digital version of that. Um, so those are some of the ones that are out there right now. We're working um, our certification program. I, again, I, I wanted to make this as easy as possible. Um, so Salesforce is our CRM. Uh, we use their non nonprofit success pack to help do our back end administrative stuff. But we also have an online community and that's what's going to host 
the certification process, which we'll be launching uh, in the next, hopefully sooner than later, you know, pro bono volunteers. Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to get that timeline on there, but um, through our online community, we'll be able to offer a lot of those other downloadable resources as well. And what's, uh, what's your website? Uh, website is greencamps, that's, uh, camps with an S dot org. Greencamps.org. Easy. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we'll put that in the show notes as well. And uh, your, your blog is, it can be found there as well. Correct. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. And if uh, people want to get a hold of you, how, what's the best way to contact you, Danny? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, first I'd say, you know, join the conversation, uh, follow us in social media at go green camps. Uh, we're on a couple of the big ones. You probably know the names <laughs> of all those. Um, there's contact information on our website. You can contact through there. Um, my direct is just danny at greencamps.org. Um, but, you know, I, I love hearing from folks. Again, I, my goal, I, I love learning what folks are doing. I love hearing what their challenges are. And that's really shaped the direction that Green Camps continues to grow to reflect off of what the camp community is telling us. So please reach out. Um, I'd, I'd love to just talk to you and, and share some advice and hear what your challenges and your successes are and grow this conversation. I think the camp community has a great opportunity to become a model for what sustainability means and looks like. For um, sure. It's a great opportunity there. And Danny's doing a session for SCAMPCon. What's the session? Awesome. The session is the steps to green your camp. So really taking our certification program um, and just giving you those steps. Um, I, again, we don't want to limit by saying like, oh, you need to join and become a member to complete certification. We're giving you those tools to form your green team, uh, to implement conservation policies and talk through what that process looks like so you can get started um, on your own to get out there. So just what are some simple steps to give you guidance to start moving in that direction on your own um, in your own time? Perfect. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time, Danny, and uh, being on the show with us. My pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, yeah, Kurt. Thanks for being here. Awesome. Well, and ScampCon is coming to a close here pretty soon. We're almost done with it. So I'm excited to hear your presentation, Danny. That'll be awesome. So thank you again for being here. Oh, it awesome, 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 Kurt. Are you, are you got your green dye? You ready to go green? Yeah, yeah I'm going to put it in my shower head right now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I've never color. even heard of those kind of shower heads. I got to go find no, one now. I'm totally interested. I'm thinking that same totally thing. Totally interested in that, but. Awesome. Well, from around the campfire, this has been Kurt and Chris. Thanks for listening. See ya.